Welcome to Sin 315. We're here to encourage and equip Christians to engage in the adventure of sharing Jesus with those that God puts into their life. And we're so glad you're here. Matthew? Yeah. Chris and Lindsay are here. I know. I dare you to say their last name right the first try. Oh, I don't even know. It's Flincher. It's oh, easy. Fl- oh. What's the problem with that? Well, I was, I was I flinched. It was Sorry. almost right. Flincher. <laughs> Flincher. Yeah. Flincher. Flincher. Why do I? I get it on the second and third try. There's just that J. And J just does it to me. Yeah. You'll figure it out. How is it much German? is it? Yeah, what is it? Uh, Norwegian. Norwegian. Yeah, yeah, it seems Norwegian. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we got together and videoed. We tried to crunch a story that you told in 40 or 45 minutes at Common Ground. Was it at Common Ground yeah. or Young uh, Adults? Young Adults, yeah. Okay. Uh, in a three minutes for a weekend service. Well, that's really hard to do, right? So during the video, it said, hey, if you want to hear a fuller version of this story, we're going to be hanging out on the podcast. And you guys listen to the podcast, at least Lindsay, you do. So people that we hang out with that have been here Mm -hmm. that really can help equip and encourage people. And so that's what this is all about. This is February, mobilizing, getting everybody to be intentional, even if it's just one degree hotter or one degree Mm -hmm. more intentional. So that's why I asked you guys to be on the show. And we've thought about it for a while, but now we're releasing you into the airways. (laughs) I was having a conversation before we went on One of the main points for me in this, because I put you in a really special group of people that were radically saved. Mm -hmm. And what tends to happen when you're radically saved is that you become a radical Christian in a very, very good way. So everybody doesn't come from that background, but as you shared your story with me, there are people that popped in and out there that our listeners might see themselves there. Yeah. Or they may have family members who had the same kind of battles or took the same journey, but they haven't gotten to Jesus yet, and will give them hope. Mm-hmm. They have husbands and sons and daughters that they may be wavering in their hope for them, mm-hmm. but they're going to be more hopeful when we get done. That's right. That's yes. what's going to happen. So what I would like you to do is just give a couple of minutes of before Jesus, okay? Because there's people that just don't know the story. and. Mm-hmm. I want them to hear it, so come and tell us. Okay, before Jesus, life was confusing, is a good way to put it. Just kids growing up with no direction, no discipline, no purpose in life. Just kind of left to the wind to figure out life. And it was really difficult. I know for me, it just I wound up chasing after pleasures, anything that would uh, fill the hole that's in us all, the God-shaped hole. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we just pick what we're going to fill it with. Yeah. Mostly, and it works temporarily. Yeah. And, and then you can it, move on to the next thing, and that'll right. work temporarily. Yeah. But it doesn't do the job because it is a God-shaped hole. Yeah. 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 So there was a long time of doing that when I was younger, teenage years, and then when I was about 21, my father passed away. Um, and he was a loving dad, but just lacked any sort of, I guess, just discipline. Mm-hmm. I could get away and do anything I wanted. When I lost him, though, I loved him very much, and I just felt like I was even more lost. And I ended up filling that hole that we were talking about with drugs. I had already been doing the pot stuff and the alcohol and stuff like that, but I needed something stronger. So what I ended up doing was heroin at first the thing with that is 
it took away the bad feelings and the emotion and the pain of it all. It took it away while you were high. And then before you know it, it only takes one, maybe two times and you're addicted. Mm. And it's a strong, powerful addiction that a lot of people need to be like in hospitals to get off of it because it's so bad. You feel like you're going to die when you don't have it. From that point, I think went on for four or five years or something of just uh, chasing the dragon. And that was heroin and meth and a lifestyle that comes along with that. Mm-hmm. What about you, Lindsay? My upbringing was a little different. My mom was an alcoholic. My dad was a drug addict. My dad eventually got clean, but I was raised in a very traumatic childhood. A lot of drama. But once my dad got clean, he was back in our lives and I started dabbling into drugs and he would put me in rehabs or NA programs, which kind of progressed my addiction in a way because Mm. it introduced me to so much more than I was already doing. And it was like, this is who I'm destined to be. I'm a drug addict. This is where it leads. All these people around me, you know, are way progressed in their addiction. And going to an NA meeting, you're there with like grown men. I was like 13 years old. Oh my goodness. Yeah, but he was doing everything he could, everything that he knew. It was really easy, though, for me to say yes to heroin the first time because it was kind of just like the natural progression of my disease. And then, yeah, we were full-blown drug addicts. It's hard for some people to see us now and imagine that. But, I mean, full-on, all the way, homeless, Mm -hmm. heroin and meth. We've had a few people on the show that said, if you saw me now, you wouldn't believe who I was then. Mm -hmm. But when you saw me then, you stereotyped me as useless and a waste of breath and all of that. And God sees us for real. Mm -hmm. I think back on just who we were, and we were just scum. We were nothing. And he chose us. He sought after us. And where we are today, we're just normal people today. But like to us, that's amazing. (laughs) I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. That's the thing I get when we've talked before is God pursued you. Mm -hmm. He pursued Mm -hmm. you until finally you just smashed into him, right? Yeah. Yeah. So when I was like in the worst of my addiction, when I was homeless, I couldn't keep a job just because I looked terrible. I would have been a physically able, but only if I had my drugs at all times and it just wouldn't have worked. (laughs) But what I would do is I would ask people for money in front of grocery stores and stuff. And I would tell them, oh, I ran out of gas or whatever. And some people would just feel bad for me. A lot of people would just blow me off. But there's this one lady and she, it happened multiple times and she was a Christian. One time she gave me a card, I forgot what it said, but she just looked at me different. And She knew what I was doing. She knew probably what I was going to use the money for, but to her, it didn't matter. She would give me a large sum, not a large, but she'd give me 10 or 20 bucks or something like that. And I just remember every time she did that, I felt so loved. I haven't thought about that in a long time, Mm. but while we're sitting here, I was like- There's a story of somebody also. I was walking down the street with our drug dealer's kid. I was babysitting her. It was like late at night and this lady came and asked if we needed a ride. I was very high. She was a Christian, and it was just such a weird situation. And she prayed for me, dropped me off at my house. Yeah, it's really cool. And I think back, like, 
was that like a person? Was that an angel? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I've had that kind of situation. Uh, yeah, I've wondered, and I still don't know, man. Yeah, and me the too. Bible says she didn't hey. want me to walk in the house. She's like, "Are you sure you're okay? Let me get your number." It was just a weird situation. I think those are really important, and I want to ask you a question to it. We see these people everywhere in various forms of destruction, right? So as a Christian, what's my response to that? What do I do? And I wanted to ask you that. So you've got examples of what people did. Mm -hmm. Is there something you wish someone would have done more of? And would it have been effective or would you have like, whatever, where we were at, it just wasn't going to work. Mm -hmm. So how's that work? I think both of these stories show we remembered those people who were Christians that saw where we were at, didn't judge us, but extended grace to us and showed compassion on us and and shared Jesus with us yeah. in that moment. Yeah, even if also. it's just praying for us, something yeah. small. Mm-hmm. You remember those people. So I know for sure, and as we prayed before we started and we talked before we started, this is going to resonate with some people going, you know what, I need to do that. Mm-hmm. That's me. Mm-hmm. Maybe not for everybody, I don't know. But when we're talking about mobilizing people together to use their gifting and what God poured into them, then there's people who can go, yep, I can see myself in that story. I can play that part. It might cost me $20 a week mm-hmm. or whatever, yeah. but a kind word. Uh, we're feeding some people that are living in their cars a, a little ways from the church. Yeah. We're doing that weekly. Some of the home groups are doing it. That doesn't take a lot. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, when I got a guy size 14 shoes and a 4XL jacket, he said, this is Christmas. Mm-hmm. It wasn't Christmas, but for him, it was Christmas and yeah. it was gold. Mm-hmm. And then and you get the next step. And you don't see that doing anything to their life. Yeah. But where we were, those people made an impact. Yeah. Just not being judged is a huge yep. implementation into someone's life. Yep. That's convicting. So yeah. there were people here and there But then something happened. It's kind of like you're running away and he's running after you. He caught up with you. Tell me about the Jesus encounter. When did he finally get you? How'd that happen? Okay, well, I think it's different for both of us. Mm -hmm. For me, I had those instances that we talked about, certain few people that were there in different ways. But for me, it was really rock bottom that drew me to Jesus. I don't know if there's another way I would have made it because I was just so stuck in sin and just being lost. But I think ultimately it was rock bottom. And then also when I was in jail, they have those people who come to jails and they have little church services for whoever wants to come. And they come over the speaker when you're sitting in your jail cell and they say, if you want to go to church, get up, get your sandals on and line up at the door. Every time I heard that, I jumped. That's where I wanted to go. I don't know exactly why, now that I think about it, there's just hope there. Yeah. So one night it clicked and you gave your life to Jesus? Yeah, so I went to that one. Life was real bad at that point, and I didn't know what the future held at all. I couldn't see past jail for years. It's where I thought it could go. And I went to one of those sermons and they gave their message, which I can't recall, but then they asked if I wanted to accept the Lord into my heart. And I said, yes. There was multiple of us and they had us, I think, get down on our knees and we said the words and um, everything felt the same at that point. And I went back to my cell and I just so happened to be by myself. There's usually two in a cell. I happened to be by myself and I had a Bible and I was just reading it and none of it made any sense, really. (laughs) 
but I would just read it and I was laying it on my chest and I did it myself. I said those same words. I just, Lord, forgive me for everything that I've done. I want to be different. I'm stuck. I need your help. I can't do this. List goes on and on. It's probably a really long prayer, tears, everything. And uh, the power of the Holy Spirit came on me at that point. And it was a physical thing at that point. I literally felt like I was floating out of my bed. And it was just crazy. And with that floating feeling, I felt like there was a weight around my heart that was just holding me down. And that weight left and so did all the pain and the sorrow and the guilt and the shame and the worry. All that stuff went away. Wow. Um, Hallelujah. It, and I knew everything was going to be okay, even though the public defenders and them were telling me it wasn't going to be good. I knew it was going to be okay. And long story short, I actually ended up getting out. And that's when I went to the ranch. And <laughs> now that's Restoration Ranch, right? Restoration Ranch. Because yes. we're going to have Brian on the show. Oh, and awesome. Yeah. Brian Storm is an amazing man. Yes. It really is. Lindsay, yes. what about for you? When did you run into that brick Jesus wall? I think it started at the same point as him, like just my absolute rock bottom, lowest point. And you were together, right? We were together, yeah. I got clean a little bit earlier than him. But I think God just put people in our lives and people on our path because he was pursuing us. I was at just my lowest point, absolute rock bottom, as low as you can go. I didn't know where else to go. And I just felt like I looked up and I saw Jesus extending his hand to me. And there was a struggle beginning to happen. Hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, Which conviction. it wasn't before. Yeah, yeah there yeah, wasn't yeah. before. It was very easy to, I've just always been doing bad things and I just continued. But I started feeling bad and I felt like all these choices I had to make all the time, hard choices. And I would choose the wrong choice all the time. And I felt like God pursued me more and I'd choose wrong again. But then I started like making the right choices. Anyways, I basically had used so many drugs that I went crazy. I went to the hospital. And at that point, I think I surrendered my life to the Lord. My sister came and picked me up, took me back home. I got clean. I've been clean since then. During that time, I was reading my Bible, pursuing him, but there was no Christians around me. So it was really like... It was interesting. I would read my Bible and I'm like, what am I reading? I don't know. <laughs> okay, so I see this definitely as a pursuit, the pursuit yeah. of people that Jesus loves mm -hmm. with all his heart. And there were some people that kind of got tossed in there, here and there, but Jesus was faithful. You had supernatural encounters. You had an experience where it was you and God, it was you and God. Mm -hmm. Tell me on the other side of that, because there's a thing called the Ingle Scale. Do you ever hear about it? Mike's going to preach on it, so I'll give you a sneak preview. Okay. <laughs> so the deal is, Ingalscale says, listen, everybody, you kind of only play a part in this process of people getting saved. So you do your part, you push them a little bit up this scale where they just fall in love with Jesus and give their life to him. You play a part. You don't have to do everything. Amazing. You don't have to like slam them over the head with the Bible and you got to get saved right now. At our church, people get saved. Our people at our church don't even know how many people get saved every single single week we're going to mm. announce it wow you're going to be blown away every single week there are people who either dedicate their life to the lord for the very first time or go what am i thinking and they mm -hmm. rededicate their life to the lord it happens mm. we don't promote it a lot we don't talk about it a lot at the church so you could be the person at the tail end that holds your hands and prays with you everybody plays a role yeah but i believe in others that that ingles 
Gale doesn't stop at the prayer, salvation. Then you got to grow in the Lord. Then you've got to be used in the body. Then you grow together. And then you're on the other side and being discipled. You can call it discipling, right? What about on the other side? You found fellowship at some point after this commitment that you both made. Mm -hmm. Yeah. After making that commitment, I had gone to Foothills in the ranch. We would drive the carts. The cart right on, I love shuttle yeah. drivers, they're yeah. my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was just so much community there. And I think we had always saw the, the home group and, oh man, we should get in the home group. I think at the time, still lived in Ramona and we would come to church every Sunday and like almost Julian Ramona. Real far. For you guys that don't know this geography that we're talking about right now, it's a long way. Yeah. Yeah. It's a long drive and gas is five bucks a gallon right now. <laughs> yeah. So one day we were walking out of church and it was Drew Miles. Drew Miles walked up to us and said, hey, you guys should come to my home group. Something so simple like that. <laughs> hey, you guys should come to my home group. And we're like, yeah, we should. We've been talking about it. He's like, all right, here's my address. Give me your number. And that was it. And he took off. That's kind of where... Um, he angle scaled you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he did, he did. We started going, I think, immediately and have been going there ever since. Praise the Lord. Up until now. Love and it. actually, we do still go there for the fellowship. And he has 15 kids and you have 15 kids. Pretty much. Yes, <laughs> yeah. How many kids do you guys have? Five. Yeah, and he's got at least five and he's doing he this five. fostering and mm -hmm. adoption kind of thing that he's doing, yeah. I know that babysitting is very expensive the night that Drew Miles' home group comes together. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I remember. We used I think to meet, that's why we felt like we fit in there. Yeah. I think we used to meet at his house, and there was a lot of people. So everybody had five kids. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it was like there was we like- call it the Foothills Five. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like there's eight adults and 50 kids. <laughs> like, no joke. <laughs> I know. It was crazy. <laughs> they had to stop having it at their house because of all the damage, I think. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 So let me ask you now, because you're right, people that meet you now don't mm -hmm. see yeah. that story. Mm -hmm. How do you share your testimony? How do you share your faith? How do you share Jesus now? Okay, so we started a business, just a pool cleaning business about six months ago now. And that puts me at people's homes every week. So I knew when I started this business that it's not just about me making money and providing for my family, but what does God want to do through me? And God started showing me and I would encounter these people and they're pretty open with me as I'm seeing them pretty often. And I do real simple things with them. They'll tell me, I have to go to the doctor, this, that. And I'll just tell them, hey, I'm going to pray for you. It's something that I like to do once I get to know you. If there's something you need prayer for, I'm just going to pray for you. Every time I'm going to come to your house once a week and before I get there, I'm going to be praying for you. Or after I leave, I'm going to be praying for you. And you can really start to see at least with some of them, you can start to see the fruit of that. And I'm not pushing them hard or anything, but I'll notice when I come to their house, she'll start talking about, oh yeah, God made the grass grow. And, and, and <laughs> you know, they're just bringing up God in their lives. Um, yeah, because you open the conversation. I used to teach a class, God Conversations. In all my life, I'm pretty sure this is accurate, maybe only two people have said no to me when I said, can I pray for you? Mm -hmm. And I've said it to a lot of people. So it doesn't have to be supernaturally hard and crazy and all of that. It can be just what the Lord calls you to do in the situations that he puts you in, right? Yeah, yes. 
that's the experience that I've had. I've tried to push it on people and it, it never works. Yeah. But if you really just build that relationship with them and just bring up Jesus in your life. With some people I've shared my testimony, just a real brief testimony and just explained what Jesus has done in my life. Cool. And that's had an impact on them too. What about you, Lindsay? How are you made? What do you do? I think right now my main ministry is just my husband and my kids. So I think the way I share Jesus is by sharing my testimony in situations yeah. like this. Yeah. But also I make an effort well, at the grocery store. Everybody talks about it at the grocery store. They go evangelize. We kind of- Not everybody, okay. by the way. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but yeah, the there's people some people do, doing yeah. it. Uh -huh. yeah. We stick out a little bit. We have five kids and I'm by myself. So- we actually have a game where we count how many comments we get from strangers. Like, oh, you've got your hands full. Are they all yours? You know, those kind of comments. <laughs> and I just tried to be as happy as I can. Yeah. And I just say, yep, they're all mine. I'm so blessed. So I just share like, okay, I want them to see that's a happy mom, yeah. five kids. Yeah. Oh, she's it. blessed. She must be a Christian. In this mobilizing so what happens is people can go to the Sent 315 website or they can go to Foothill's website, click Share Jesus, either way. And you're going to get this questionnaire that says, this is how I'm built. This is how I do it. You seem very similar to Mary Hoffman. Mary Hoffman actually said on the show, I'm not Linda Hoffman. <laughs> <laughs> she did. She, she did. did. And it's so funny. If you know both of them, they both love Jesus and have an impact on the yes. kingdom. But Mary lives a life that compels questions. So when they see like, how do you do it with all five kids? Well, there's a little bit of prayer that goes into growing up mm -hmm. five kids. I've done that, I know that one. So it's more like my life speaks louder than the words. Yes. Right? Yeah. That's one. Yeah. The other thing is in this workbook that we have available and we're passing out a church and it's available on the website, it has a prayer list so that you can pray, you can put the people down that the Lord says, I want you to pray for these people. So everybody's got those people in their life mm -hmm. and prayer is powerful because I got a sneaking suspicion you might not even know people that were praying for you at different times in yeah, your life. Yeah, right? I wonder like who was praying for us and why God sent these people if it was because of those prayers, yeah. you know what I mean? That lady that dropped you off when you were high with somebody's yeah. kid? I can almost guarantee she continued to pray for yeah. us, just the impact we had on her. Yeah, and so. if you don't meet her this side of heaven, like mm -hmm. some people say to me, you will meet her, yeah. yeah. right? Besides that prayer list, and I, you guys have to do it, you must, okay. on the show, we you will. have to do this, okay. right? And then the other one is there's an impact card for some of the individuals, and it's what am I going to do intentionally to look for an opportunity, like I'm gonna take out the trash when I know my neighbor's taking out the trash. Mm -hmm. That is a diabolical Neil Hoffman mm -hmm. technique. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be praying for opportunity, maybe take that conversation or an act of kindness or something that you do extra for your customer or something. And so that goes specifically. The whole idea is just to do it intentionally, right? And it's not the same as anybody else. Because in that pursuit God had with you, he was faithful to give you this supernatural floating off the, nobody else is doing that, yeah. right. but somebody else is giving you a ride. Somebody else may be praying for you. Somebody else is there and say, hey, I'm Drew, and pulling you in and pulling you in. It's a partnership for sure. Yeah. And what, one thing you didn't even talk about, Chris, is you work youth venture shifts. Yeah. That's only Jesus. 
you got to be equipped <laughs> and motivated by Jesus yeah. if you're not a junior higher kind of person, right? It's yeah. terrifying. And that was like three or four years ago or something mm -hmm. too that I was doing those shifts yeah. here. Yeah, right on. And mm -hmm. see, it's just like you don't even list it. Yeah. This is how I'm sharing my faith. I serve Jesus by serving these kids, some who could care less that you're doing it, but others that you change their life forever, yeah. that they remember you. Like you remember the people in your life that gave you the money, gave you a card or preached a sermon in prison. Yeah, and I think sometimes too, we think, oh, I don't have enough Bible knowledge or I haven't been a Christian long enough, which is just such a lie because just like you said back then, I didn't hardly know anything. And I would just come in and hang out with these kids and play video games. Another thing too is my wife was a part of it just as much as I was because she was at home watching all the babies. So you could do that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Without her, you got five kids here. I, can, I can't <laughs> do it. Work. Yeah. And then another thing that we can all do is in our home groups or in our church or wherever we're at is just hanging out with people. We just yeah. started co-leading a, a home group with David Matranga. And it's a lot of fun to just hang out with these people and you never know who's going to come into that group. And then three years later, they're going to be on your podcast talking about how, oh, yeah. this person hung out with me and just prayed with me and talked with me. Mm -hmm. This is all really good and on point for this month. So I just, I really want to encourage people seeing themselves in the lives of other people, having hope for people that are in their life that they can pray for and see something magnificent happen. Mm -hmm. Let's pray. Mm -hmm. Father, I pray for the people that are listening, each one of them, and I pray that they just get activated, that they see that they can play a part, they can play a role, they can partner with you in the most amazing adventure. It's the thing that we can do this side of heaven that we're not going to be able to do in heaven, and that is to tell the testimony and the glory of Jesus here to the lost and hurting people. Jesus, you mm. said that you came to seek and to save that which was lost. And Jesus, you said, as I was sent, I send you. Mm -hmm. Father, thank you so much for saving us. Mm. And thank you for allowing us to play a part in the salvation of others that you died for. Mm. In Jesus' name.